is going on people welcome to another episode of clutch pod as always i'm your host ab this is episode 31 of the podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter at clutch underscore pod and also on the gram at clutch underscore pod so this is episode 31 of the podcast and last pod i did forget to say which was episode 30 that's a little landmark so big up all the people that's been supporting whether you've been locking in from episode one or this is the first time locking in much appreciation for your support so yeah um, we're gonna get straight right to it we're gonna discuss the opening round of fixtures and the restart of the premier league season and we're gonna look ahead to the upcoming fixtures this week first week back of premier league football obviously the anticipation was high um, I feel I feel like the games didn't disappoint. Obviously, we did have no crowd, but I feel like the sound, the crowd noise on Sky Sports really like helped us forget about it. Even though it was kind of off key, <laughs> so you had certain man missed chances, and the crowd was screaming like it went in and that. So it was a bit confusing, but hopefully they do manage to calibrate it so that it's in sync, like um, the one in the Bundesliga. So yeah, it was an enjoyable first week of fixtures. Unless you support Arsenal, <laughs> we'll get to that scene. Let's just start off with the first game of the restart, which was Aston Villa against Sheffield United on Wednesday the 17th. Um, it was a nil-nil, really major happening. Although the key incident was um, the goal score that wasn't given, with um, which was by Oliver Norwood free kick. It, it was actually bundled in by Nylon, the Villa keeper, but... I guess the goal decision system wasn't working or something. But yeah, it was just tragic still because it's mistakes like that that leave a fine margin to teams getting relegated versus not getting relegated or teams qualifying for the top four versus not qualifying for the top four. So it's errors like that that really shouldn't be happening in in this league, especially being the Premier League, especially with all this technology that we have. And a lot of players have voiced that opinion which I agree with. So it does it really I really don't understand how someone can make a blunder such like that. Like the company even apologized after the game to say that it was meant to go in and it didn't really they just they just they just flopped it basically. It was just a big it, it was just a big error. But yeah, um I guess that was a key ish point for Villa. As you know they're in relegation trouble right now. That was the first of two games they played in this match week. Um, second game on that day was City against Arsenal. Arsenal got whitewashed. Some things will never change. <laughs> Dominant performance from Man City. KDB, Sterling and Phil Ford and getting on the score sheet. Poor, poor game from David Luiz. Probably his worst game yet as a professional. After that 7-1 defeat by Germany in the in the 2014 World Cup. Fam. But yeah, it was just shambolic like... First of all, he came on off the bench because Mario got injured on his first start. Arsenal going through an injury crisis right now. He came on. He was at fault for the first goal. It was a poor clearance. Straight into the path of Sterling and gives City the lead right on the stroke of half-time. Like, conceding on a stroke of half-time is one of the worst one of the worst things in football, man. Because your mindset just changes throughout the whole half-time. The team talk changes. Everything. That was a critical error he made. And then the second one was just bringing down... Second one was just conceding the penalty. It was just it was just a reckless challenge. I mean, David Luiz, we've been having this discussion for years. Like he's he's a very rash defender. He he can be very erratic at times. And I don't think even when Arsenal got him from Chelsea, he wasn't the centre back that Arsenal needed. I just feel like because they managed to get him on the cheap, they just thought, man, we might as well just take a punt and try to grab David Luiz, and he got a bit of experience. So yeah, it was it was a shocking performance. I can't even lie. 
Phil Foden towards the end of the game tucked in a goal. He's been on fire recently. Going to speak about him later on in the pod. But yeah, um, to his credit though, David Luiz, he did come after and give an interview like oh, putting his hands up saying that I was at fault. I mean, he he, he clearly was, but it's um, oddly satisfying about someone like owning up to the mistake saying, listen, it was my fault, my bad. Um, obviously, this won't happen again sort of thing. And in the end of the interview, which was kind of interesting, he said that he wants to stay. Obviously, his contract is up soon at the Emirates. And um, Arteta did say he wants to re-sign him as well. So, I don't know what Arsenal fans think of that. Please let me know because <laughs> I I can't see why they'll want to bring him back. But if Arteta sees something in him that we don't, then boy, who, who, am, I, who am I to criticise him, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it's very strange. Another man on the fringes of Arsenal is Mesut Ozil. Obviously, he was out of the squad for that City game. And yeah, it's not really looking good for him. He wants to stay the club's actively trying to move on from him but i don't think the club has found any suitors for him yet so it's a bit of a sticky situation for him still do you feel like he will leave because he has no choice he's just being frozen out by arteta so it's sad to see because there's a really talented player on his day there Mesut Ozil. arsenal's injury crisis increased during that game against man city mustafi went off as well injured yeah that's the thing with um this project restart like because players haven't played football in so long i even said this on the last pod the injuries is going to rise. I saw a statistic as well over the weekend that said in the Bundesliga, obviously the first professional sports league in Europe to restart, there was a 226% increase in injuries. So stuff like that is crazy. Like Players are just dropping like flies. Like, it's actually crazy. Obviously, they tried to help the situation by allowing um, five substitutes instead of three, but it's really, that's still six man playing 90 minutes a game. Like, it's still crazy. Like, I don't know how how um, they're going to cope. But yeah, so that was the second game of the project restart. Then we had a couple of matches on Friday. First one was at Carroll Road, where Norwich hosted Southampton. They just got beat down, man. Norwich is looking bleak for them still. I can't even lie. They might just have to get ready for the championship at this point. They got a right drubbing by the Saints. Danny Ings, Armstrong and Nathan Redman all getting on the score sheet. Danny Ings back in the goals. Big up him. He's had a solid, solid campaign. But I do feel a bit sorry for him because the way he's been performing now, he he was seriously knocking on, a, on the door for England call-up for the Euros, which obviously will be taking place right now if it wasn't for the COVID pandemic. But yeah, he's got 16 Premier League goals this season. That is top five in the league. So he's really, really been playing well, um, scoring goals for Southampton, who are comfortable, I would say, right now. They don't really have relegation trouble at the moment, I don't think. I think they'll be safe. But yeah, I would say they're comfortable for now. But obviously, if you speak to like the players and Ralph Hasenhutl, they'll say there's still work to be done. But yeah, it was a comprehensive victory over Norwich. Puki couldn't get firing. Um, what I found interesting by Daniel Falcard, the Norwich boss, he played Puki and um, Josip Dermich up top, which I don't think he's ever done before because Puki usually operates as a lone striker. That's where he does like his damage because obviously he has the attacking area to operate in and that's what that's what was successful for him early in the season when they were just banging in goals and everyone's like right who is this guy bro but yeah he's got 11 so far this season and at this moment in time i think norwich really really need a miracle to survive i mean they're eight points adrift um and they have a far far worse goal difference than all the other teams in that relegation dogfight 
So yeah, that was the first game on Friday. Then after that, it was the big one. Um, Jose Mourinho coming against one of his former sides in Manchester United at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. United, um, the points were shared. It was a one-all draw. Stephen Bergvine put Spurs in the lead. It was just poor defensive focus from um, United, especially Harry Maguire. And it was a poor attempt at a save from David De Gea as well. But obviously, a lot of people would have seen the Roy Keane criticism of De Gea saying he's the most overrated goalkeeper. I think that's very harsh. Um, a lot of people have decided to turn on De Gea recently, not just after this event. And um, to be honest, he has had a lot of blunders recently, especially this season. A lot of people have been quick to criticise him, saying he's fallen off and things like that. I don't want to believe that because um, David De Gea, obviously being a United fan, he's probably one of the greatest goalkeepers we've had. Obviously, yeah, you've had you've got your Peter Schmeichels and them and there as well. But yeah, he he's been he's been off it for a bit. I can't lie, but I, I don't think he's dusted. Like he's still he, he's still our number one goalkeeper. I'm hearing man saying. Uh, you should put Romero in goal, like, nah, man, like, that's David De Gea, bruv, like, obviously, there's only so much your name can carry when you're performing badly, but he hasn't fallen off to the point where he needs to be dropped, obviously, Dean Henderson at Sheffield United, he's banging on the door, um, hoping to get a look in, and Oli did say he wants to re-sign him, extend his contract, but for now, De Gea is our number one, because there's a quality keeper in there like you saw he even made some crucial saves in that game like that son header that was a great save so yeah he's not dusted to the point where man will be getting dropped or left out of the squad obviously being our highest paid player it doesn't it doesn't bode well when you're making blunders like that but at the same time though how much of a blunder really is it because we got to credit the strike from Steven Bergvine obviously he's coming to Spurs from PSV He's played really well, scored a couple goals, scored in his debut as well. Um, he's a player that I like, actually. So, yeah, it was it was a really, like, the strike had venom on it. Trust me, you could see it. So, obviously, they had, did get a hand to it, but it wasn't enough to direct the path of the ball away from the goal. But, like I said, De Gea still has my full backing, but I am looking at him side-eyed still. I won't lie to you. But, yeah, um, I feel like... In the build-up to that goal, yeah, one of the things I want to speak about is this drinks break that the Premier League have introduced around, like, the halfway point of the first half. I feel like that really killed our momentum that game. Because if you was playing it before, yeah, we actually had great chances. Like, Rashford had that great chance in the first half. It was a great save by Lloris. Then, all of a sudden, drinks break comes. The momentum is killed. It's like a timeout in basketball, like... We bring it out, yeah, just kill the momentum. And then that's when Spurs went on the scored. So it's things like that, yeah. Obviously, I see the reason for it because obviously players haven't played in long and they need they need to like re-energize and that to avoid injury, whatnot. But I feel that that really, really killed us in, in that first goal. Obviously, we did get the equalizer later on in the second half. Bruno Fernandes scoring a penalty. He's got Four goals and four assists in his first 10 appearances at Manchester United. One of the most impressive starts to life as a United player. Really brought a breath of fresh air into the team. Paul Pogba did start on the bench, but he came off the bench and we saw the impacts he had on the game instantly. Obviously, he used the one that twists up Eric Dyer that led to the penalty. It was a stonewall penalty. There was no question about it. People were saying he went down a bit easy. He, he didn't, man. He That's what you call smart play, bruv. He anticipated the contact and Eric Dyer fell for it, innit? And Bruno was there to stroke home the pen. So, yeah, Pogba really needs to be starting next game for us. I can't lie. I really want to see him and Bruno in the midfield. Bruno even said it in his post-game post -game interview saying that, obviously, they click and like they play well together. And that's what I really want to see as a United fan. 
So, yeah, hopefully we can get a top four finish. As for Spurs, a point really didn't do too much justice for them. Obviously, they are still far away from, well, at this current moment in time, they are nine points off Chelsea, who are in fourth. So, I don't know if Champions League football is returning to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but it's not looking likely. Um, Harry Kane went missing that entire game. No ban. Uh, I forgot he was even on the pitch. Recently, Paul Merson criticised Mourinho's playing style, saying it wouldn't suit Harry Kane. The fact that they play so defensively and the fact that um, it doesn't suit Harry Kane's game and he won't be able to score goals. Being, being the type of guy Mourinho is, obviously he clapped back at that, saying, I have a striker called Drogba. He, he played four seasons. He banged in over 150 goals. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, he played for him three seasons, banged in like 108 goals, something ridiculous like that. Benzema's banged in goals for him. Zlatan's banged in goals for him when he was at United. Like, so all these strikers, yeah, they flourish on the Mourinho. So, and I feel like Harry Kane is up, up. He's in and among those strikers in terms of talent. Obviously not Ronaldo, but when you compare the rest of them, he, he has a shout still. He's up there. He's not better than them, but... <laughs> He, he bangs in goals. He's a goal scorer. So, I don't really think he'll have... I don't know, though, because with Kane, yeah, ever since he had those injuries, I feel like they've been adding, piling up to him because Harry Kane's had very... Harry Kane's had games here. He's very, very ineffective. Like, he doesn't influence the game at all. But because the type of player Harry Kane is, all he needs is a chance and it's going in the back of the net. Like, it's very hard to take him out of the game, like, to bench him and that. Especially with Spurs' striker... Um, problem where they haven't really found a backup striker for him like they've gone through Clinton and G they've gone through um Vincent Janssen they've gone through Fernando Llorente like they haven't really found an effective goal scorer off the bench so that's why Harry Kane's playing all these minutes and obviously him being a captain as well so I really worry for him still obviously right now he's still England's golden boy still England's number nine but as we go forward, there's a lot of strikers knocking on the door still. So he's going to have to start finding the back of the net again. Um, I'm saying that like he's going through a mad goal drought. These times it's only his first game back. So the criticism is a bit harsh. But I'm watching, I'm looking at Harry Kane's side at still. Obviously, Rashford was a bit sluggish as well. He had that one great chance, but came from a long, long layoff. So hopefully he'll be firing on all cylinders for United's next game. Uh, moving on to the games that was played on Saturday. First up, it was Watford against Leicester. I can't lie, yeah, watching this game, I even tweeted it, like, the game was so mediocre. Then it just burst into life in the final minutes of the game. Ben Chilwell scored a golazo. Serious goal to put Leicester 1-0 up. Great strike from Chilwell. Then Craig Dawson out of nowhere, a little bicycle kick from a corner to salvage a point for the Hornets. It was a great goal. Both of the goals were fantastic still. Um came alive in the final moment so yeah that was was a decent point for Watford obviously they would need the win but going to go down that late in the game and rescuing a point I respect it still I respect it great they'll they'll take that as a good result obviously they're still lurking around the relegation zone though they are point out of it so it's a bit sticky still yeah Ben Chilwell obviously he's been heavily linked with Chelsea Chelsea been doing a madness in the transfer window so far we're gonna talk about them soon so yeah it'll be interesting to see if frank lampard can pull that off obviously with goals like that his stock is rising especially him being a young english talent as well 
Leicester will have to f- try hard to keep him. I feel like fullback is one of the areas of positioning that Chelsea need to strengthen. We'll talk about that soon. As for Leicester, that draw, I mean, they're still firmly in the top four. So I, I do feel like they will finish in the top four. I don't know whether it'll be third or fourth, but there will be Champions League football at the King Power next season. I'm sure of it. So that was the first game on Saturday. Then we had Brighton against Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal's second game of the restart. And it didn't go too well either. So that's two L's. They lost 2-1 <laughs> after taking the lead through a great goal from Nicola Pepe. It was a great finish still. That just he shows glimpses of quality. I can't lie. Obviously, we have this running banter um, with Nicolas Pepe, certain man calling Popeye and that. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's aside. He's a quality player, man. It's just that he, yeah, he just needed time to adjust in it. People forget that. Obviously, some players come in the prem and start banging goals. People think that that's the standard. There's a long. Sometimes there's a long transition into like adapting to the Premier League, especially when you come from the French league where. I want to call it a farmer's league, but the lacking talent is different compared to the Premier League. So, yeah, he needed to adjust. Obviously, the team he was on as well wasn't the greatest in Arsenal, so it didn't help him. But I feel like he's starting to find his groove. Obviously, he just needs an extended run in the team to show what he can do. So, yeah, big up Pepe scored a great goal. Obviously, it didn't really result in a win as Lewis Dunk grabbed the equaliser. But before that, no more pay was a judged to have fouled Leno who went off with a nasty injury we still don't know how long he'll be out for but he might just be out for the rest of the season I don't want to speculate but it did look like a nasty knee injury possibly an ACL so that is very very dreadful Arsenal that's their third injury so that's Mustafi Mari and now their number one goalkeeper burned Leno out injured he caught the ball then more pace seemed to jump into him Obviously, Leno was very angry going off the pitch. <laughs> he was pointing at Mopé. Um, and <laughs> what do you know? He went on and scored the winner deep into added time at the end of the game. And Brighton win the game. Obviously, that's going to trigger a lot of Arsenal players. Guendouzi was the first one to confront him. I like Guendouzi still. <laughs> he, he's a little madman. Um, Mopé did have an interview after where he said Arsenal players, they need to learn humility and that. Uh, basically, roasting them, which is crazy <laughs> coming from a Brighton player. But... I gotta respect them because he he scored a winner against them in the reverse fixture. So Brighton complete the double over Arsenal for the first time in their history. So yeah, um, it's looking it's not looking good at all for Arsenal. They currently languish in tenth. Yeah, let's just say their top four chances for this season are over. They themselves know they're making the top four. They just need to try real rebuild. Obviously, they put their faith in Arteta, so I would say they just gotta give him time to mold the team the way he wants them to play. And I want to say be positive, but phew, I don't know, man. Being, bro, that just, it's just. <laughs> um, yeah, no, good luck to you, man, fam. That's all I can say, man. Obviously, it's, it's peak, but tough time never lasts. <laughs> but yeah, let's move on, though, man. So, um, the third game on Saturday was. West Ham against Wolves at the London Stadium. Um, West Ham, another team in deep, deep trouble. They fell by two goals to nil from the Wolf Pack. That's why I like to call them, from the Wolf Pack. Wolves. Raul Jimenez scoring a bullet header from Adama Traore cross and Pedro Neto scoring a back stick volley. I like that Pedro Neto goal because 
I think it was Traore again, clipped it back post. Pedro Neto left foot volley, went into the roof of the net. It was a brilliant goal from Neto. Nice little signing for Wolves. You know, um, you know, Espirito Santo got got that plug in Portugal to get them, bringing them <laughs> Portuguese ballers, fam. They got Wolverhampton looking like baby Lisbon, bruv. All them, you got your Pedro Netos, your Jamutinos, Rupatricio, Ruben Neves. Like, nah, they're bullish though, so I can't even deny it, bro. But yeah, big up the Wolfpack. Um, good win for them. Obviously, they're banging on a Champions League place right now, neck and neck with Man United. United do have a superior goal difference, though. They are in fifth and sixth, respectively. Both five points off from Chelsea in fourth, who need to watch their back. Um, but yeah, as for West Ham, they're in deep, deep trouble. Um, obviously they got David Moyes to come back. I don't know, man. If they get relegated, I feel like it will be one of the most disappointing relegations in my lifetime. Anyway, watching Premier League football because West Ham, they're such a big club. Obviously, they've invested heavily in that London stadium, sixty thousand capacity. They've tried to show their strength in the transfer market. Brought in Sebastian Allaire for like what 40 odd mil they tried to bid for they bidded for like a zet before arsenal even got him like they tried to show their financial muscle brought in felipe anderson from lazio like they're buying players from established clubs but it's just not working and i still don't think they found the right manager for them obviously they brought in pellegrini ex-man city manager he won a premier league title but that hasn't worked they had Allardyce for a bit big sam but that's not the type of team West Ham want to be. West Ham want to be a team that's challenging for Europa League places and um, like like going going far in the cup competitions. And at this moment, they they are playing with fire right now, fam. They're level on points with Bournemouth, who are 18th. The only thing that's saving them from the relegation zone is their goal difference. So yeah, for the Hammers to get relegated, it will be it will be tragic. Still, I won't lie to you. So they really need to fix up them. But yeah, one player I want to mention in that game, though, Adama Traore, came off the bench, real game changer. Um, I feel like he's had a great season so far. He's really shown that potential and um, how much of a great player he can be with an end product. And he ripped in a great ball for that Jimenez first goal. Obviously, we all know about his pace, his power, his strength, uh, his dribbling ability. He can take players one-on-one. The main thing with Traore was his end product. So he'll... Do all this, he'll beat a player one on one, but the ball into the box will be poor. And now that he's showing that end product, he's showing how much of a great player he can become. We all know about his pace and his power and his strength and things like that, but end product is very crucial, especially in this level of play in the Premier League. So, yeah, it's good to see that. Wolves have a great team, as I was saying. They are knocking on the door for a Champions League place. It'll be interesting to see Wolves in the Champions League still. I don't, I don't know how far they'll be able to go, but I do feel like the way they set up, especially in big games, yeah, it can really dent a lot of teams' um, progress. So, yeah, big up Nuno Espirito Santo as well, man. Obviously, like I said, he got the, he got the Portuguese plug right there from <laughs> out in Lisbon. So, yeah, that was a good win for um, the Wolf Pack. Then, obviously, the last game on Saturday was at... The Vitality, Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. Bournemouth, another team in deep, deep trouble. It's been a poor season for Eddie House boys. They fell 2-0 to the Eagles. Luka Milivojevic scoring a pen. He's really a great dead ball specialist, Milivojevic. I don't think I've ever seen him miss a pen in the years he's been in the Premier League. Like It's just automatic. You know when they say automatic? Like 
you know when they award Palace a pen, you might as well just, like, the opposing team might as well just grab the ball and put it in the centre circle, Kai. You, you're going to be kicking off, fam. <laughs> so, yeah, he's good at free kicks as well. He's, he's a dead ball specialist still. One of the most more underrated dead ball specialists in the league. And then Jordan Ayew, who's had a decent, decent campaign in the Premier League. Underrated as well, Jordan Ayew. I like him. Um, especially when you got guys like Benteke who I don't know why. Christian Benteke is stealing a living playing in the Premier League, fam. How he's still in the league, I don't know, bruv. Like, how many goals he scored this season? I'm actually going to check this. Hold on. He's got 21 appearances this season, one goal, one assist. Like, bro, that is sham. But why is he, I don't know why he's still in the league. Obviously, he had his glory days at Villa, but it's over now, man. So, yeah, I'm happy that Jordan Ayew has decided to take matters upon himself when it comes to scoring goals for Palace. And, yeah, he got back on the score sheet again for them. He scored um, nine goals this season. And, yeah, which is a, it's decent for him, obviously, Palace. That win takes Palace into the top 10, so the Eagles are soaring high. Big up Palace. Obviously, me being from South London, I've got a bit of affinity for Crystal Palace. Just a little bit, though, because I'm a United fan, isn't it? But, yeah, I like to see the Palace doing well. It was interesting to see as well, because I read in some comments from Palace fans, and they want Europa League football. <laughs> obviously, they are ninth now, so it's not out of their reach. Um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Palace in the Europa League. Obviously, Roy Hodgson is a veteran manager. He knows what it's like to do well in the Europa League. We saw what he done with Fulham in the Europa League back in the day. I can't remember exactly what year when they beat Juventus over two legs and went to the Europa League final. Obviously, they did lose, unfortunately, but it was a great campaign. Bobby Zamora was on fire that season. What? Fam, what do you know about Bobby Zamora, bruv? That was a gunslinger back in the days, you know. But yeah, Bobby Zamora, you had your Damien Duffs. Hey, them Fulham teams back in the day, yeah, problem. Roy Hutchinson got that Europa League pedigree, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with that Palace team if they get a Europa League spot. Obviously, that's me um talking ahead of myself because they still got to go through a lot of good teams before they can look ahead to that. But yeah, I would say it's been a decent campaign for them. Um, it's been a kind of underwhelming campaign for Zaha though, I won't lie, he hasn't really performed to the highest levels that I know he's capable of, but at the end of the day, he, he did try to force a move in the summer, so obviously his headspace might not be in the right place, but fair play to him, he did, he has tried to knuckle down and play football, but it just really hasn't worked for him this season obviously Everton did place an 80 million pound bid for him which was rejected Palace have tried to keep their star boy I mean he, he's a loyal servant of Crystal Palace man he, he really has been obviously he did join United for a bit but he came back still so yeah big up Zaha man he's a player that I really really like I did watch um, an interview of his with Rio Ferdinand on Rio Ferdinand's channel the locker room where he discussed his move to Man United and why it failed. And it was really, it was just, he just kept it real. Like, you know, the man that just keep it real. He was just said, this is where I went wrong. This is where I feel like the club failed me. This, this and that. Obviously, he spoke about the David Moyes situation as well. So, yeah, he's, he's a player that I've started to grow to like. I've always liked him anyway, but by watching that interview, like, I, I started to like him even more. So, yeah, big up Zaha. Hopefully, he can... Um, get the move that he wants in it for the progression of his career because at the end of the day he was like listen obviously i'm 27 now and i just want to win that like, i want to win titles i want to win trophies and things like that so yeah and you can't mock a man's wishes so 
just have to see if he gets that move or if um, Steve Paris and the hierarchy at Palace want to keep him there even longer. <laughs> Moving on to the games on Super Sunday now. First off, it was Newcastle against Sheffield United at St. James's Park. Big, big win for the Magpies, winning 3-0 against Sheffield United. Joel Linton finally, finally getting on the score sheet. He hadn't scored since August. Only his second goal of the season following that £40 million move. Uh, Matt Ritchie with a great strike and Alan San Maximan all, all getting on the score sheet. Um, Sheffield United did go a man down when Tommy Egan... I said Tommy Egan... <laughs> Wait, I said I see that. That's that brother from Power Fam. Wait, is his name? His name ain't Tommy. Hold on, hold on. It's John Egan. John Egan, not Tommy Egan. John Egan <laughs> was sent off for a second yellow. So yeah, that really changed the game. Sheffield United was their biggest defeat of the season. Newcastle just went off. Still, I feel like they really needed that win. Obviously, um, there's a lot of issues off the field going on for Newcastle United. Whether or not they will get that takeover. But yeah, one player I'm happy for is Joel Linton. Obviously, he did get his goal. And that just goes to show, yeah, as a striker, if you're suffering from a goal child, you just have to get into the positions to score. Get in and around the box. Get in and around the six-yard box. Like, Trust me, the goal will come in it. And that's exactly what happens. So I'm happy for him. Hopefully, he can kick off and start to prove that he is worth that 40 mil price tag. Matt Ritchie is one of the more cleaner strikers of the ball in the league. Great goal for him. Underrated player. I like him a lot. For Newcastle. For Newcastle. <laughs> and then Alan Sam Maximan getting on the score sheet. It was a very influential performance from him. Also grabbing an assist as well. He's another player like Adama Traore. Like, we know that he has the talent. It's just whether or not he can execute that final pass or, or convert that chance that will make him a great player. Like, that is what distinguishes the good players from the great players the players that can pick out the pass the players that can like like execute that finish because he has the talent he has the skill he's another player that i like a lot as well <laughs> so yeah big up alan san maxim man hopefully he can start to perform like this on a more regular basis for newcastle yeah i think it was newcastle's best performance of the season i think steve bruce will agree with that as well um, hopefully they can kick on and try to achieve as high a finish as possible for them. I feel like top 10 is an achievable goal. They are two points off Arsenal who are in 10th. So it can happen still. They just need a run of good performances. As for Sheffield United, it was a big, big setback for them because a win would have leapfrogged them above Manchester United and further their claims to try and cement a Champions League spot. But... With that, that being said, even if they don't make a Champions League place here, yeah, it's still been a very, very good season for them. Probably one of the best seasons a um, promoted team has had in the Premier League. Obviously, Wolves, when they first got promoted as well, had a solid season. So, yeah, uh, Sheffield United. And one thing you can say about Sheffield United that you can't say about Wolves is their investment. So, they had a lack of investment compared to Wolves. Wolves managed to get like players like Rui Patricio, who was an established Portuguese number one and played for a very good European team in sport in Lisbon. So yeah, Sheffield United, they didn't really have that investment. I mean, they brought in Oli McBurnie, they brought in McGoldrick, they even brought in Jack Rodwell. I didn't even know Jack Rodwell was still playing in the Premier League until like last week. I didn't know that at all. But yeah, um, 
They tried to bring Ravel Morrison in as well. It didn't really work. So, yeah, ma- their squad has mainly been the players that are playing for them in the championship. You've got your Lundstrams, you've got your Bulldogs, you've got your Stevens. So, yeah, for you to be able to achieve a top 10 finish in your first season, because I remember, I remember saying as well, Sheffield United, they're going to straight back down. That's what I used to think. But then they just proved me wrong. So, big up Chris Wilder and these boys for having a very, very good campaign. Okay, moving on to the next game, Villa against Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea knew what the stakes were with a ton of teams behind them chasing that coveted Champions League spot. Although, it will be interesting if Manchester City's ban gets upheld. Villa, during the first game of the restart against Sheffield United, they really, obviously, it was a tough ask to try and get a win against this Chelsea team but they did take the lead man like house put them up front I don't even know if I'm saying his name right if I'm not I'm sorry bro but yeah but then Pulisic came off the bench and they hit Villa with both barrels two goals in two minutes Pulisic and Giroud with a great swiveled finish I was surprised to see Giroud starting for Chelsea I don't know if Tammy Abraham still has a little knock or something like that but Giroud did start the game ahead of him. Tammy Abraham had a very successful campaign last season with Aston Villa, getting them promoted. So, yeah, he has ties to Villa, I guess. But, yeah, Villa do look worrying as well. They are in the relegation zone, 19th, 26 points, one game, one point off of the 17th place team right now, West Ham. So, yeah, I don't know what they need to do, but they need to do it quickly and they need to do it effectively if they want to stay in the Premier League next season. Chelsea, though, off the field, they're looking great. I mean, they signed Timo Werner for £50 million. I'm surprised he, they basically got a free run at him. No other clubs were interested. I know Liverpool were interested, but I don't think their interest peaked the way it did for Chelsea, who managed to get a player probably valued at I don't know, 100 M's at half price, basically. They had a COVID sale, bruv. <laughs> Leipzig said 50% off. <laughs> and, Chel- and Abramovich had that uni days code, fam. So <laughs> it is what it is, isn't it? So yeah, I can't lie. Chelsea's team looking scary next season still. You've got Hakim Ziyech from Ajax. They wrapped that transfer up like four or five months ago. they got Werner now. They're looking at Ben Chilwell as well. So Abramovich really trying to open up his wallet. So um. Frank can get all the players that he needs to implement his style of play on the Blues. So, we'll see if they get that Champions League spot. The future's looking bright for Chelsea, I won't lie. They've got players that I like. Ruben Loftus-Cheek made his first start for Chelsea in a while. Obviously, he was injured for a while as well, struggled with injuries. But he's a player that I like as well. He played well in the World Cup. they got young players. Mason Mount is another player that I like. Obviously, you've got Tammy Rising. He's going to have to step up to the plate now that he's got competition in Timo Werner so that's that healthy competition though like because you know it's you against my man in it so you know you gotta bang in them goals otherwise my man's gonna take your spot in the team in it so yeah that's that healthy competition uh Tammy Abraham I think he's a strong lad though he he wouldn't shy away from the challenge so it'll be interesting to see if he can take that next step and really implement his starting his name into the starting lineup the last game on Super Sunday was the Merseyside derby Everton against Liverpool. I have been known to be very critical of Everton, especially especially when it comes to the Merseyside derby because Liverpool just always have their number. But yeah, it was a nil-nil draw. Um, 
Obviously, Liverpool dropping points for only the third time this season. They drew to United earlier on in the season. Obviously, they lost to Watford and now they've drawn to Everton. But they still have a chance to win the league on Wednesday when they take on Crystal Palace. So, yeah, I feel like they will wrap it up there. Just get the league done. I feel like that's what the players want at this moment in time. They just want to confirm that, yeah, they got the title. Then we'll probably see Klopp experiment, bringing some young young G's into the side maybe guys like Ben Woodburn and man like that but yeah I just want to see the young G's Minamino as well they brought him in in January see what he's made of he hasn't really played a lot Ancelotti and Everton sitting in 12th been a poor season Everton's one of the sides that I'll be looking at over the transfer window to see what they can do obviously they brought in Jan Philippe Bamin Baman Bamin Baman one of them last well this season but he has suffered severely with injuries and even got injured whilst in quarantine so he's going to be out for a couple more months that's going to be sad for him sad for the team and then the last game of this week of premier league action was monday night football at the etihad where man city took on burnley and they just beat them down mercilessly it ended Man City 5, Burnley 0. Manchester City, yeah, I didn't really... I didn't know this. I didn't notice this until yesterday. They have beat Burnley 5-0 in the last three seasons in the Premier League. Burnley must hate going to the Etihad, fam. Can you imagine their trips home after getting beat down 5-0, bro? <laughs> no, that is tragic, man. They just... They are just outclassed, man. It just shows how out of depth Burnley are. Obviously, before I really get into it, though, I want to speak about... um. The banner that was flown over the Etihad by, I put in quotation marks, Burnley supporters, because obviously it is a very few minority rather than the majority. It did say white lives matter Burnley. To say I'm surprised would be a lie. Obviously, um, a lot of people like to run banter with Burnley saying it's Brexit FC because you've got your 442s and most of the players are all white. You've got your Chris Ward, Ashley Barnes. You've got your, you've got your James Tarkovsky, Ben Mee. Big up Ben Mee though because he did give a powerful statement at the end of the game saying that these do not represent Burnley at all and um, he could see like the outrage the, and the disgust in his voice by the fact that they would decide to do this especially in this current time where we all know that we're pushing for the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, it's not just, it's not a phase. This thing has to happen for the, um, for the rest of our lives till we finally get um, equality. So yeah, that's what he was campaigning about. Um, it was a very like heart-spoken speech from Ben Mee saying that it's not tolerated. Burnley were quick to give out a statement saying that these fans are not welcome at Turf Moor at all and it does not reflect what the club is made of. Um, so yeah, that was really a sour start to the game and it just got sourer and sourer for Burnley, if that's even a word. <laughs> Feel forward and Starboy. Obviously, David Silva is set to leave City when his contract expires at the end of this season and it looks like they've got their replacement in Phil Forward and he banged in two goals for them Riyad Mahrez scoring two great goals as well and David Silva getting on the score sheet so yeah Phil Forward and he's a nice young talent he's going against Arsenal in City's first game and now he scored against Burnley um, I must say though, yeah, the future is looking bright, not only for Man City in terms of Phil Foden, but in terms of England as well, because these new gen of stars, yeah, could really look, um, could really create another golden generation for the free lions. Obviously, you got your Rashfords, your Sancho's, your Phil Foden's, you got your um, 
Alexander Arnold's, got your Declan Rice's to a degree. You've got Bukayo Saka. You've got your Reese James's. Like they really like they've got talent. The talent is there. Dean Henderson as well. He should be knocking on the door for a England place, especially given Jordan Pickford's <laughs> form, which has been tragic. But yeah, so it's really looking the future's looking bright for England. I feel like he's one of the players that the um Euros being postponed benefits because we get to see that elevated level of play. He's got until next season as well to really try to force his way into the England squad. So yeah, big up Phil Foden, level headed fella. Obviously him being mentored under Pep and playing around great players like David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez. That really helps him a lot to elevate his game. Sergio Aguero as well. Speaking on Aguero, he suffered a nasty knee injury towards the end of the first half in that game. Pep Guardiola saying it doesn't look good. Um, the way it's looking, his season might be over. So Aguero, that's, that's one of the downfalls of his career really obviously his career is ma majority of it has been a success like 90 percent of it it's just that lack of champions league pedigree that he has and his injuries his injuries hurt him a lot and when he gets injured yeah it's like three four weeks as well like it, it's a lengthy it's a lengthy lengthy injury so yeah, hopefully he does get better but as pep guardiola said following the victory over burnley it's not looking good and um it's not looking good for Burnley as well. They've had a poor post um campaign. I don't feel like they'll get relegated, but they are in eleventh. For Burnley standard, it's kind of poor still. I expected more for Sean Dash's men. And he really needs to find a way to <laughs> untraumatize his players from travelling to the Etihad because it seems like they don't like going to the Etihad at all. <laughs> so yeah, that wraps up the um, first set of fixtures for the return of the Premier League season looking ahead so at this time of recording there is a game to there's two games today Leicester against Brighton and then Spurs against West Ham in a London derby then there are five games on Wednesday United against well I, I shouldn't say that because they're both called United <laughs> Manchester United against Sheffield United that should be a tough clash as both teams have Champions League aspirations Newcastle Villa Norwich Everton Wolves Bournemouth and Liverpool have a chance to lift the Premier League title for the first time in 30 odd years when they take on Palace at Anfield it's such a shame though because you know Anfield would be buzzing on days like that like you know the crowd would be crazy singing you'll never walk alone but unfortunately we have to listen to crowd noise instead tragic so yeah Thursday, Burnley-Watford, Southampton-Arsenal and then Chelsea against Man City. That is a tough game for Frank Lampard's boys. Obviously, they don't really want to drop points because they're gonna, they are teams licking their lips waiting for the downfall of Chelsea so they can sneak into the top four. And then Saturday, there's also FA Cup quarterfinal action. Norwich hosts Man United and in the Premier League is Villa against Wolves. Sunday, there's more FA Cup quarterfinal action. Sheffield United against Arsenal. Hey, that's a tough game for Arsenal, you know. I can't lie. They got to go Bramwell Lane and take on those boys. <laughs> it's tough still. Leicester-Chelsea, that's another big game. That's going to be a tough game. And Newcastle hosts Manchester City. In fact, they're all tough games. I won't even lie because Newcastle of late, they've been playing well. Obviously, they beat Sheffield United 3-0. 
So yeah, we'll see if they can transform that form and try to book a place in FA Cup semi-finals. It's been a long, long time since Newcastle have won a trophy. A very long time. And their fans have been waiting, trust me. And then the one Premier League game on Sunday is at Vicarage Road where Watford take on Southampton. So yeah, um, that's it. I thought I would just wrap up the Premier League results in the first week back. Um, football's back. I'm happy it's back. It's been a great first week. There have been matches on literally every day, like every day. So that's been enjoyable. Um, as always, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and the gram at clutch underscore pod. I'm your host, AB, and until next time. Hey, oh,